Nick Foles saves the day for the Chicago Bears as he pulls a 30-26 victory out of the jaws of defeat against the Atlanta Falcons. I bring on Brandon Robinson to talk through this wild game on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network, where we've got some fabulous shows that'll be coming at you all week. But we'll talk about those more in a second, because I've got somebody with me, Brandon Robinson, who's going to be joining me on a brand new show later this weekend that we're, we're about to recap one of the most wild Bears games I have seen in a long long time i mean we're two weeks removed from a really really wild chicago bears win over the detroit lions but this one involved a quarterback change it involved all the highs all the lows that you could have possibly asked for a pick that could have been brought all the way back some turnovers some pass rush oh my word my head is still spinning brandon how are you feeling after this game i am feeling outstanding i like i don't i don't want to throw any hyperbole at you and I, I am young. I'm only 27. But that is the greatest Bears game I've ever seen. And, and yes, I did. I did. I was aware for the, for the Cardinals game. But, like, just the implications of this game, just it, it can't be overstated. This was one of the first games that I've seen because I've seen a lot of incredible Bears defensive wins. I mean, going all the way back to that 2018 win that we had against the Rams where the Mm -hmm. defense, I've never seen a team so convincingly win a game. And others would say, like you're talking about, this evoked serious we are who we thought they were stuff, like from the Falcons blowing a 16-point lead that felt insurmountable to a Trubisky-led Bears team. And then Nick Foles comes in, throws three touchdown passes that count, depending on how you score the Allen Robinson play and the Miller drop, but we'll get into that later. This is, you know, it's funny because it's a rough time for you to have a first moment on the microphone because it's it's such a hyperbolic moment, but what a game it was. And for those of you who don't know, Brandon played safety in college, so I always love to ask him about defensive back play. I want to start at the top and we'll just go through this game. First question, am I the only one who is seeing this correctly or did it look like the Falcons safeties and defensive backs in general were almost playing at a college level with the amount of space bears receivers had to open up the game? No, I would, I would definitely agree with you. They weren't, they weren't leaving too many, too much space. It didn't seem like they were worried about getting beat deep. They were more worried about coming up for the run and taking away the short passes. That's something that I really hated seeing. So again, starting at the top, uh, at least what I noticed right around the start of the second quarter was that the Falcons started sending a dedicated run blitzer, which for those of you who don't know, it's a linebacker that is intentionally trying to shoot through the gap where the run is probably trying to target with the idea that he's going to hit the running back and not the quarterback. Believe it or not, not all blitzers are pass rushers. Plenty of blitzers are targeting the running back and holy moly, they sapped up the bears running game almost immediately. And that was where things really, started to turn because you know what Mitch and the offense didn't start on the wrong foot they really didn't like to tell this story and to tell it properly is to talk about how the first two drives actually looked okay they marched down they got a 46 yard field goal but you know what the hope was that they'd be back for more but once they started doing that putting the game squarely on Trubisky's shoulders to win or to lose by saying we're even dedicating extra men to stop this run game as quickly and effectively as we can I don't know about you I felt the life start to leave the Bears football team what did you see yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Falcons had a beat on the Bears running game because they were, like you said, they were blitzing. But I, I think half the time they weren't actually blitzing. They were just so fast on their trigger that it looked like they were blitzing oh, dang. because they knew when the Bears were running the ball. There were a like, couple of those where the linebacker started post-snap and still got there, like fitting the run really beautifully. Right. They were shoot, shooting, shooting the gaps and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working out too well. And uh, I think part of the reason was when Montgomery was in the game it, like there was a tell on first and second down when they were actually running it, which is obviously a huge problem. 
Oh yeah. It's, and let's be honest, the bears have been no strangers to tells. Apparently the 2019 offense had plenty of them. And, and it was really, really awful to see this as the Falcons, they got exactly the start they could ask for. Now, Stop me if you've heard that before. The Falcons started exactly like they could have asked for, but with a quick deep strike to Riley, or not Riley, Calvin Ridley, the good one. Sorry, Riley. Uh, and and the, the other points that they were able to put on the board, this felt like it was tilting the wrong direction from the jump. Talk me through it. What happened on defense? Why do you think it fouled up as much as it did? Well, I'll start by saying I think the Falcons had an excellent game plan. Like not ha- not having Julio Jones and knowing that they need to target Ridley in as many deep parts of the field as possible on the Bears. And what the Bears were doing is they were bracketing Ridley a lot, which is what I thought they should have done coming into the game. But a couple times they – when they would bracket Ridley. So that means that Eddie Jackson would have the inside of the routes and Kyle Fuller or Jalen Johnson would have the outside. And so Ridley would break inside and then he would immediately go vertical instead of having an in-breaking route. And so Eddie Jackson would be waiting, like on the very first play, he's waiting and sitting on the in-breaking route and it's just not there. He just shoots vertical. And then, I mean, he's a, he's a fast dude. It's, it's pretty tough to stop him deep once he, get, once he has you beat. So what you're telling me, if I'm hearing it correctly, is that given that we know Matt Ryan is a very capable quarterback at 34, 36 years old, and that he's played with Calvin for a couple of seasons now, heck, if we know what that route even was, it could have been an in-breaking route. A good route runner like Calvin sees that he's got tons of space vertical. It could have been anything. And he, they basically just dialed up the perfect play against what the Bears were doing and struck deep quickly because of it. Is that correct? Right, right. It, there, there's plenty of concepts that have breaking routes off of, off of coverages. Hot dang. They, I mean, so they immediately get all the way down the field. They punch it into the end zone, and it has the fl- feel and the flavor of a shootout, classic shootout. And, hey, at least the Bears had gotten all the way down the field, and they missed a field goal, and then they got another one immediately after, so maybe they'll be able to compete. And then, wow, the second quarter started. It felt like the bell rang. What is it? The clock struck midnight for Cinderella, and the Bears' offense – evaporated like wow what do you think was happening there uh I mean besides Trubisky being a terrible quarterback I mean they just they they couldn't run the ball um as I mean Mooney had a very very bad game uh I think I think you you saw it like his rookie moments start to fall and then it seemed to weigh on him because you could just tell just by how he was running his routes, like his, his vertical routes weren't as detailed as, it, as he's previously shown that he's capable of doing. Instead, he's just straight running. And, I mean, every, every corner in the NFL can run. That's why they're in the NFL. So <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, I, I always need the All-22. This was a game where almost immediately – so the last two games were kind of funny because I actually could suss out a good bit about the Bears' offense because it was so short and so focused on the run that it was primarily in the broadcast view. But the Bears came out wanting to swing today. Like, credit to whoever you want to give credit to, whether it was Trubisky or, as we'll get to later, Nick Foles, they wanted to attack this foul secondary deep and so most of the plays like between the couple the sacks Trubisky took the deep throws that weren't completed the short throws that came a little later in place uh, there were a whole lot of receivers running deep that we didn't really get to watch even so it did seem like sort of a welcome to the NFL game for Darnell Mooney who's been fabulous so far and you know what he gets like seven of those like rookie receivers with as short camp as they have he he does not have to be some huge player that makes plays every game. I have to make it clear. If Darnell Mooney has a bad game, that is okay. And 100%. He's a fifth round pick. 
Exactly. And, but like you're talking about, I mean, it really felt like the door started to close, whether, whether the Falcons had a bead on the bears running game or not, this Falcons defense that was known for being one of the worst in the league. And granted they played against Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott and the Seahawks and the Cowboys, both very capable offenses, but this bears offense almost immediately made the Falcons look like they, you know what, maybe they're not actually that bad. And it felt like that got that things were just starting to get really really nasty all the way through when Mitch Trubisky reads the field deep checks it down to Jimmy Graham straight into the waiting hands of a Falcons defensive back and to be honest I'm amazed that Falcons guy didn't run for a touchdown like let's call it what it is that kind of route I've seen taken back all the time at this point what were you thinking Bears fan football analyst all of it uh I was if I'm being 100% honest I t- messaged Brad. I don't know if you guys have uh, seen him on, on Twitter. Brad uh, Spielbinger. Is that how you say his last name? Spielberger. It's funny because it's not okay, on his okay, Twitter that handle. Was, that, was, that, was, that was terrible. No but, worries. <laughs> but I messaged Brad and I said, is this the game we have been hoping for? Because a lot of Bears fans, ones that know that Foles is a lot better than Trubisky, want Foles in the game. So I was just hoping that this might have been as bad as of a game as he could possibly have to put in folds. And I mean, it was, it was a simple crossing route and Jimmy Graham's crossing in between zones. And he threw it at the very last second of him crossing from one zone to another zone. And that's why the ball got picked off. And so I, I mean, credit to Nagy, for actually making that change because it's not easy to move from one quarterback to another. And Hey, you know what, before we get any further kudos to Nagy for making the switch when he did the bears won. but I want to backtrack real fast because I know you just mentioned a very, let's call it harsh Trubisky opinion. And I I do want to help people transition. This is a shell shocking game, right? Uh, Where it felt like everything that naysayers about Trubisky had been saying kind of all came true at the last second, the Falcons defense known for being poor against the pass, asked Trubisky to beat them and not only could he not but it seemed pretty emphatic at the moment but again this is the tv copy right so you don't get to see the opportunities that are down the field Trubisky did have a 45 yard scramble in the first half I'll be the first to tell you Brandon that I didn't think there was any reason to pull Trubisky when they did I thought that they easily at least you let Mitch finish that game I thought that even you probably give him a second one not even because I'm some wild fan of Trubisky's but because if you're going to start the season with a quarterback I'm just shocked they had as short a hook on them as they did you know but but they make the switch off of uh, the back of a really really nasty interception and from there I don't know about you but it felt like things changed I'll I'll start. You keep going from there. The instant Foles came in, immediately, all of a sudden, I heard, danger, 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 Larry, Larry, uh, like Sunday, 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 and Trubisky, to his credit, he'll call Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, ten, generally, by the way, listeners, that Sunday means snap it now, I need it at ASAP, Monday means on one, Tuesday means on two, football's not that complicated, uh, but as soon as Foles came in, it sounded like He was calling protections. He was calling out defensive alignment. And while the offense definitely started out on a rickety foot where it felt like the offense was 50-50 decent throw, 50-50 really nasty, oh my gosh, where's that ball going throw, suddenly it felt like we had a game plan. Was I alone in feeling like that or did it feel like things were starting to crystallize? Absolutely not. I mean, even even the plays that necessarily didn't work out, it just seemed like he had a full command of the offense. Like he he knew what checks he wanted to make. He knew what 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 hots he he needed to make. It he just even as simple as a thing as hiking the ball at the right moment so that the pass rush isn't just getting off on the offensive lineman. Just it just seemed like everything he did was just better than what we've what we've seen. Hang on, go back to that. What you can you can miss snap the ball as a quarterback? Walk me through this. Well, 
it's it's as much as when you're when you're checking checking your protections and you see that the defense is is relaxing because they see that you're checking it but and then you take your opportunity to snap the ball because you know they're not they're not ready to rush the passer and that can make a huge difference because it can take a lot off of your offensive tackles Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you what was really wild. So I think I've said this on the podcast before, but there's nobody I like to listen to more, whether it's the Bears offense, whether it's at literally any offense in the game. Uh, there's nobody I like to listen to more than the opposing defensive coordinator, because you can pick up cues from these guys on how they're playing their quarterbacks. And the instant fools came in. I mean, snap number one. Bang, that run blitz, it wasn't there anymore. That overprotection on the run wasn't there. You want a you want a perfect example of what I'm talking about? The Bears sent, what was it, right side bunch, four verticals uh, on that Cohen screen where Cohen ended up getting the ball leaked out and picked up like 25 yards uh, after the catch. And we'll get to Cohen's injury in a second because that's a heartbreaker. But every Bear or Falcons defender honored their man the whole way down the field and a falcon safety looks like he shaded over there immediately such that when cohen got the ball he was in wide open space and i've seen them run that play to montgomery and cohen and there's always a linebacker a defensive lineman there's somebody there because somehow or other when trubisky seems to run screens the defense just picks up on it i i have no idea but it really felt like Foles just being in the game at all made a huge difference even though i mean even the first interception notwithstanding (laughs) the way things are going to start out i thought he was going to throw three picks right i mean it's it's kind, it's kind of different because they know that when Foles comes in the game, it's YOLO Foles. He's willing to push the ball downfield no matter what. And, I mean, that's what you saw immediately. He was pushing the ball downfield with zero hesitation. And that's, that is what I love about Nick Foles. For better or for worse, the mistakes he has, he is willing to put his name on the line no matter what. Mm-hmm. And to, to, to your point, it's third down and eight after on a third and three, you had sent a, you'd sent a ball down the sidelines to Darnell Mooney that the rookie didn't come up with. Didn't matter anyways. It was an illegal shift penalty and wouldn't have counted. Foles rolling left throws a ball that whether it should have been intercepted or should have been tipped. It's hard to tell. I feel like a lot of times people will call the latter, the former, like a defensive back that can get his hand on it should have been intercepted just because he touched it. It's not always true. But either way, that throw to Jimmy Graham was, let's call it imperfect. And they caught it anyways because sometimes Foles just says, whatever, man, I'm throwing it. And it, it felt that way. It felt, whatever, man, I am throwing it for the entire rest of the game. And before we break down and go through what happened to finish the game out, let's let's sit on Nagy and the defense for a second because the defense was getting gashed. First half, start of the second half. What was going on that you were seeing? Because it really felt like the Falcons, they were getting production out of uh, – I- Oh my word. How in the world have I Gurley? They were getting production out of Gurley in the running game. They were still getting offense out of having one receiver where it really felt like Calvin Ridley could do no wrong. What was going on that you could see? So they did a really good job early on of stopping the run. And that's, I mean, that's something that I noted from the very beginning because I was shocked because they were playing so much too high so that means that they that they were light in the box. And this is the and, Bears you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. they were shutting the run down pretty good. It felt good whenever they ran the ball. Right. And so eventually that is that is going to bite you in the butt. And so when they what the Bears do is they rotate their safeties a lot up and down to kind of disguise their coverages. And what Matt Ryan is so good at is he's, he's great at making his checks and hitting, affecting the run, even as a quarterback. And so there were, there were so many lanes for Gurley, and it's, it's not like you, you don't – the defensive line, the interior defensive line, I mean, after they lost Goldman, they don't have the depth to be able to play light in the box the entire game. So right. you saw as the game went on, the Falcons kept grinding the ball and there were more holes, more holes, more holes on that long touchdown run by Gurley. It was a third and five. 
an amazing check. Again, the Bears were, were light in the box. And so now you get a one-on-one with Gurley on Gibson. And being, being a former safety, I know what it's like being put in that position. <laughs> it is an absolute nightmare. I would rather be one-on-one with Julio Jones than be in the open field with Todd Gurley. It's just it's just because you're you're not gonna make that tackle. He's just gonna it's gonna look easy when he just runs right past you, but it's it's impossible because he can go anywhere he wants. He can truck you. You're on your heels. And you know it's it's wild because you're exactly right. If there's one thing I was most sad about, because this really started to crystallize for me at the end of the first half, it's that this Bears defense without Eddie Goldman, where it's really hurt, is when it's trying to defend a deficit. When it's put in a position where it has to stop the run, but also has to worry about the pass. Because if you put this Bears defense in a situation where it knows the opponent has to throw, it's fine. You could actually make the case it's at its best. Probably one of the best defenses in the NFL. I don't just say that as a Bears fan. With Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and a fabulous defensive back core, when you're pretty sure they're not going to run the ball, then the fact that you have Bilal Nichols rushing the passer isn't really that big a deal. Your, Your best parts of your defense are at the forefront of the moment. But like you're talking about, as they stacked up this lead, it became a very clear, oh no, they can run the ball. And because they can run the ball, the Bears have to either show their cards and go to a base formation with five guys on the uh, line and either like six defensive backs, which keeps you light in the box, or pull your linebackers on, which puts Trevathan on the field and opens up space in the pass coverage. It's it it felt like it got hairy there, but thankfully, or and credit to him, Matt Nagy in a ten to twenty six game two and zero with a quarterback that had won you both of those games pulled the plug, and I'll say it if you won't, he put his butt on the line. He stuck his neck out. A lot of coaches are not going to be that aggressive, I don't think, when you've got a former number two overall pick and a backup quarterback like Nick Foles. They'll let you play out the game. He didn't, and and wow, the result can't be understated. What did you think of the – yeah? A number two overall pick that had already brought the Bears back from from a deficit yes. this year alone. He so already I, did. Fourth quarter Mitch didn't get a chance to happen. And you could have made the argument that fourth quarter Mitch would have done the same thing, maybe. I don't think so. But <laughs> uh, like just to be clear on what I think, but like you're saying, from a publicity standpoint, this was this was right on the line with taking a dadgum knee in a kick-to-win game against uh, the Los Angeles Chargers last year. Because what, what does happen if you put in Nick Foles and he throws four picks or whatever it is, now Trubisky's confidence is much lower than him just having a bad game. Because it's, right. it's basically impossible to go back to him. And if, if Foles isn't, isn't able to get the job done, now you've pretty much screwed yourself all around out of a quarterback. And but you got – yeah. But now that Foles was able to come into the game and bring them back on a, just a magical run, I, honestly, I mean, now I, they're they're a uh, they're a team a, a lot of a lot of other teams don't want to run into. And and speaking of, I mean, you talked about this at some point the locker room matters and i know a lot of people frankly a lot of people like me that are film analysts act like players aren't even humans they're just chess pieces that have different abilities almost like characters in a video game you know like ah trevathan his speed is now 69 overall instead of 75 you get the idea we act like it's all the same but at some point you got to think that defense needs to know what they're going to play for And like you're talking about, if you put Foles in and he goes out there and he doesn't inspire confidence, what does this defense have to play for? Because, sure, maybe they could grind out some wins against the Lions and the Giants. But, guys, let's be honest. The 49ers, last I checked, and it was a while ago, they have Nick Mullins, no George Kittle. Like, most of their offensive starters aren't uh, aren't playing, and they are spanking the giant Ernst, and they're away like this was a team that at home we barely squeezed a win out of and and the 49ers granted they're a better team are doing it with their second string so Nick Foles coming in 
and playing like he did has got to energize this locker room. I mean, it's got to, right? I, I know one guy that will be energized more than anybody. Is it and Anthony Miller? It is Anthony Miller. <laughs> it is Anthony Miller. Because no, everybody who has a pulse that has watched the Bears play know, know that Mitch Trubisky and Anthony Miller have zero connection, especially deep. Trubisky just cannot hit him deep. And what did Foles do once he came into the game? Even on the drop, he kept hitting him deep. And the game-winning touchdown, I mean, it was, it was a deeper route as Foles was getting hit. Just like exactly what you want out of a, out of a franchise, what I imagine a franchise quarterback. Third down, you're, you're, throwing, you're throwing him deep over the middle of the field as you're getting hit, and it's a touchdown. Oh, yeah. And let's take a second, Brandon. We could use a breather. Let's step aside and make some room for sponsors real quickly. And we are back. Glad to be, or glad to be back talking again about this game. Brandon, let's get into the meat of it. We've now prefaced the whole first half. It's time to talk about Nick Foles. I'll tell you what was wild to me. Starting the moment that Foles came into the game through the end, he had six total drives, six. So not that many, not that few. And what really struck me was that all five of the six and one that was a three and out, but taking that away, all five of the rest of the drives ended at the end zone. Three with a touchdown, one with a dropped touchdown, and one with, you could make the case it's another dropped touchdown. We don't have to get into that if you don't want to. I hate talking negatively about Allen Robinson. It is a bit of a bummer that after calling the last interception against Bradbury a fluke, he seemed like he had trouble coming down with it again. But either way, that jump ball was exactly where you want it as a quarterback. It's cool to see Foles can drive this offense all the way towards Pater one way or another. What did you see? Well, I can actually offer a different side of things with Allen Robinson. Tell me. Be, being a defender and knowing that you guys both have your hands on the ball, and the main thing is it's kind of just physics. The defender was falling first, so he has the momentum to pull the ball away from Allen Robinson to where Allen Robinson is on top of him, and then he has to shift his weight to pull the ball away from him. I thought I thought it was an interception because if when you when you slow it down it looks a lot different than when it's live when it, if you just play it live he stole the ball away from him just like that it was it was very 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 quick and so oh, I, I don't necessarily yeah. I don't necessarily blame Allen Robinson for that it's just one of those unfortunate plays that happens that literally just happened last week so I take it then, just to be clear, that you would consider that a really good play by the defensive back, the throws still where you'd want it, Allen still did what he could, but that, again, like you're saying, it's weird that we see two flukes in a row, but sometimes two flukes happen. Sometimes lightning does strike twice, and you say, well, it won't strike a third time. Don't worry about it. Keep your head up. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, the, the ball can always be better. I mean, if the defender gets his hands on it, the ball can, the ball can be More better. He can put it where the defender can't get it. But, I mean, coming, coming into the game cold, I'll take that pass 10 times out of 10. I'll tell you what I thought was wild about Foles, and this starts at the minute he comes in all the way to the end. I was surprised at how many catchable balls he did leave out on the field where the receiver got to determine it. I know I did a big video in the offseason. One of the things that I found was that Foles was, in my own words, basically a human mirror, that he would reflect your offensive talent. If your offensive line could block for him, great. If your receivers could make contested catches, great. If they can't, you look like Jacksonville. If they can't, you look like uh, St. Louis did in 2016. If they can, hey, maybe you win a Super Bowl. And I'm not trying to go there yet. What I am trying to say is that between the Allen Robinson interception that got ripped away from him, between the Darnell Mooney catch that didn't matter anyways, but let's include it, between the Anthony Miller uh, touchdown reception that was not, between even simple things like Jimmy Graham running that seven-yard hook route on second and three where the ball hits him right in the hands and the defender knocks it away, it did feel like to start out there were a lot of let's say tough contested catches that you wouldn't call drops because they're too difficult 
but that were catchable that the Bears were leaving on the field. It feels like Foles is letting the rest of the offense determine its own success a little more than it did with Trubisky in the game. Am I alone in thinking that, or am I just like, what do you think? I mean, the number way, number one way I would describe Foles is a game manager. So, I, I mean, I think you, pre- you pretty much nailed it. I mean, he's, he's not going to be the most accurate guy. But, I mean, one thing that you do see out of him is you see that his process is a lot faster than Trubisky's is. He was getting the ball out quick, and you could tell he was very, very, very comfortable in the concepts that Nagy was calling. And I mean, it makes sense because he's been in this Andy Reid system for, I think, basically six seasons now. So, I mean, he has a pretty, pretty good understanding of the offense. And what was really wild to me, like going back to that, there's a play I'd highlight. It's like the second play he ran. So Foles bootlegged out of the, of, from under center, and he bootlegged towards his right, and he immediately snapped back and threw a ball six feet over Tariq Cohen's head because I'm pretty sure he was throwing it away. It took him about a second and a half maximum to make that read. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, oh, I guess the play's over now. Wow, he got through that quick. Like he took one look downfield and said, nope, and just got rid of the ball. And like you're saying, that's different than what we've gotten. Another difference that I have to highlight. So, of course, people like me have become infamous on Twitter for being annoying where we go on after the game and we say, look at all these open receivers Trubisky didn't throw to. And I'll tell you what, if there couldn't have been a more oh, okay, hang on, this could be different. Play for me than that fourth and, gosh, it must have been like, I think it was fourth and eight, actually, uh, where the Bears took a false start after their third and three failed. And all of a sudden, there's Ted Ginn with eight yards of space around him minimum, and Foles hits him with a steamer of a football for an immediate big gain. I mean, it felt all of a sudden like maybe the Bears really have something, not just with Foles, but also with this offense that people have been speaking so highly about. That's where when I say it felt different, I don't mean I don't think Nick or Mitch Trubisky is like a good enough leader or something like that. It felt like he was reading his keys and that the play calling got some air to breathe. What did you think? Well, I think that's one of the differences you see. Like when Trubisky is put into those game-deciding third downs, fourth down plays, we know where the ball is going to. We, we know who he's looking at. He's looking at Allen Robinson. But to see a quarterback come in there and as many crucial plays as he was in and hit, hit Anthony Miller, who doesn't, isn't involved in a lot of those plays, nope. hit Allen Robinson – throw it to Mooney, even if he doesn't make the play, throw it to Ted Ginn, being able to diversify in those situations is so very important. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I don't want to oversell things too hard. It's still a football offense. It still had its failures. We still on second and 10 late in the game threw a quick out to Demetrius Harris that didn't get anything. We still had an RPO where Foles handed it off and it got no yards. Like, not everything was amazing. We or the third down throw to Graham right before Miller's drop. That was tight. Let's say it could have been intercepted. I'd have to see it again to know. The obviously the two point conversion play was flat out bad. Uh, but it then you look and you compare that right to. I'm not even going to talk about like the or the Allen Robinson touchdown because that was just a guy saying, screw it, I don't care anymore, I'm getting in the end zone. But going back to plays like Miller's final touchdown, I mean, that is classic West Coast, that's classic Nagy, that's third and eight where a lot of teams are just looking to take some yards, whittle down the clock, try to steal a first down, and see if you can't get a field goal later in the game. Nagy dials up a split safety shot to just to remind Bears fans he had one receiver, I don't know who it was, go straight down the sideline and occupy the single high safety as Miller beat man coverage to run into truly wide open space. And Foles lobbed up an absolutely beautiful rainbow teardrop that smokes Miller in the hands while taking a hit no less, like under heavy duress that wins the game for Chicago. I mean, all of a sudden, it feels like this Chicago Bears team might actually have some quick strike capability, you know? Yeah, I think Foles coming into this offense just 
it brings the upside of this offense so much higher because, I mean, Anthony Miller, that is a guy that you're going to be able to use now because he is such an amazing route runner. Could have had two touchdowns, I mean, like immediately. Right, and he's going to be put in those man coverage situations a lot on third down, and we know that Foles is going to throw it to him early. He's going to throw it into him to him often because obviously he he trusts him because it seems like he trusts all of his receivers for better or for worse Mm -hmm. i'll tell you one thing that's really wild to me it is crazy to think so when we started the season with mitch i know the first thing that i said was if we're starting with him i hope we finish with him i don't want to see us start and lose games and then we switch to fulls and now he has to dig out of a hole what i never could have expected you could have asked me a thousand times is there any way that we win when Foles comes in and I would have said no shot they're never going to put Foles in mid-game unless Trubisky throws three picks minimum and then there's no way to dig out of that hole you could say what you will against the Falcons because apparently coming back against the Falcons is as easy as like waking up on a Monday morning but Nick Foles winning this game it couldn't be a better case scenario for a guy like Foles, assuming he's going to come in because the Bears are still three and oh, Brandon, this is insane. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the, the same thing. I like it. The Bears are two and oh. So if Trubisky's going to be the quarterback, I want him to be the quarterback the entire year and then just hope that the, like, it just falls out. Like they go, they somehow find themselves four and 12 and they're able to, they're, they're able to get a quarterback. But now that somehow they were able to come back with Nick Foles, now I, I have actual confidence in the quarterback. They're three and oh, they, they have a good defense. They have good receivers that they now can take advantage of. They have this improved run game, which might be because of the, the quarterback they previously had now. And now I, there's so much confidence in this team moving forward. And, yeah, they're 3-0. They have the number one seed currently in the NFC. Don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> but that matters because no one has talked about it yet, but there's only – one bye week on each side and that's for the number one seat which matters oh yeah I mean I've I've said it on Twitter and I'm I'm gonna put emphasis on the word could here but all three of the next three games Brandon they're winnable and the Bears could start the season six and oh they probably won't but they could and when you look at the rest of this season with three games left against the vikings who oh my goodness like do i have to say anything else and one game remaining against the lions you gotta think you can go at least two and one against those and maybe even three and oh let's say you go three and oh that puts you at six and oh right now if you combine that record that means that the rest of this season the bears have to go 500 against teams that are as good as the, uh, the, the Titans, the Rams, the Saints, and all the way down to as bad as the Texans, the Colts, and uh, technically Jacks. the Panthers. But I, I, I say all this to point out, none of these teams are like truly awful. There, there's no like, okay, we're playing the Giants this week. We don't have that anymore. But we do have winnable games. And if this offense can find a little bit of legs, this defense may show serious signs of life. I got to ask you, because I was delirious and tweeting too much about Foles in the middle of the game. I'll be completely honest. What happened to, for the defense to wake up and get the critical stops that they needed? What happened? I think it was just – it was kind of the energy that brought in – bringing in Foles gave the defense, and now they, they saw life. They, they saw an opportunity to take advantage of what they had. And another thing is, I mean, you, you saw Robert Quinn on the field more, which allowed, allowed them to – what a lot of teams do is for some reason they really want to chip Quinn I think they're worried about getting feet quick off the edge and him forcing a fumble like he did last week and so you saw Mac have I mean I thought he had a really really good game 
Um, and I, I mean, that's huge. When you, when you can have Mac off the edge, not getting chipped, that, that is so big. Well, I mean, Brandon, you know what I have to talk about, right? I mean, it's, it's getting almost impossible for edge rushers, interior rushers, anybody to hit the quarterback at all. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely thought in a vacuum, Mario Edwards is like roughing the passer on that Khalil Mack generated fumble was technically a hit to the head and technically too rough for the quarterback. But I mean, between Roquan Smith's roughing the passer last week when Daniel Jones was sliding and this one where somebody's already hit the guy and a second runner comes in with his head down, it feels like it's getting a little ridiculous for defenders to make plays anymore. And Khalil Mack easily could have had a sack force fumble on his record, but it got wiped off today as did Keem Hicks sack. He got another one, thankfully, due to roughing the passer calls. I don't know about you. I don't say this often. I kind of thought the officiating was all over the place today. What did you think? Well, I, I unfortunately, like, I lean towards that side because I just understand that they want to protect the quarterback as much as they can. So they're going to make every single rule they can to protect the quarterback. Because TVs was, turn off if, if Matt Ryan gets hurt. I mean, I get that, you know? Right, ex- exactly. No one wants to watch Matt, like the corpse of Matt Schaub be in the game. <laughs> no, no, one, no one wants to watch. Nobody cares. They, they want to watch Matt Ryan. And the Mario Edwards play was just so unfortunate because he thought he thought he was trying to make a play. And then at the last second, Matt Ryan gets jolted forward right into him. Ugh. It wasn't, it wasn't that his aiming point was bad. He's aiming at his waist, but Khalil Mack just comes out of nowhere and destroys Matt Ryan right in the Edwards. And I, I was really disappointed in the Hicks play because like he just landed on top of him. And that's something that they have emphasized over and over and over. They again. did. They've made that one really clear. Hey, you can't land with all your weight on the quarterback. And I mean, that's, that's what he did. And it seems like he, he knew exactly what he did because he was la- he was laughing it up with Matt Ryan. He, he knew that he landed with all his weight and that's not what he was supposed to do. But I think he kind of enjoyed knowing that he put all that weight on the Ryan. So you got, you got, got, got a little bit of a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of those where, like, I totally agree with you. Obviously, I, I'll be the first to tell you, uh, me complaining about the calls is more venting than anything. Because one thing that's been a real bummer, it feels like I could take that Khalil Mack play and I could use it to encapsulate his entire season so far. Mack is having a revenge tour year, and it's not getting recognized because none of the plays are getting finished. Like, every time he's winning a rush, the quarterback either has the ability to clean outside the pocket or he he has two tight ends that what like throw WWE wrestling moves at him and just hold the living mess out of the guy. It I've, I've never been one on the podcast to just go full guy in a bar and start complaining about Mac getting held, but he is playing his butt off from that edge spot. And it does feel like there's not near enough production to show for it. And I don't think it's his fault. Am I crazy? Though those holding calls, just bother me so much well non-calls because i don't i would understand if they like they don't want to just throw flags five times a game but when you don't throw one like at all like that just incentivizes the the offense to do it even more mm-hmm. so i mean i i don't really understand what's what's happening because it happens with the tight ends all the time all the time because I mean, they, they can't pass protect. They're just, they're just trying to fight for their lives. So, of course, they're going to hook them. They're going to grab their jersey. And so, I mean, you have to call that. Like, if the offense wants to block him with the tight end, you have to make them pay for it. And so, I, I don't know if Nagy needs to, like, complain a little more or he needs to try to send a letter in to, to someone. But th- <laughs> this, this really needs to change because it, it really hurts the defense. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous because if your guy can't get home, then they can just scheme up like you're talking about two tight ends to block Khalil freaking Mac. And when you can do that, it takes a ton of pressure off of the rest of your offense and your offensive pass protection. Um, 
but yeah, okay. So I'm trying to think of anything that we missed because this game really did put me in a haze. Like this is one of those that I I was so juiced up when it ended. I mean, we talked about it. This this felt like one of the most unlikely wins I've seen. I mean, in ages, especially given how rickety uh, things looked when Foles did come into the game, where the the throws that were landing where I'd want them to weren't even working out, and it felt like the the dice was just starting to roll the other way. I can't believe they won this game. I'm so happy they did. Do you have any like closing thoughts before we button up and get ready for the Colts? I feel like it was one of those games where it like there were mistakes all over the place, but like thank God you won. Thank yes. God you won because this win can be so valuable down the road. And so now they're in perfect position to fix their mistakes. But the one, the one thing that sucks really bad is now we're now Cohen's gone. We yes. lost three Cohen's. Thank you for mentioning to that a, to a torn ACL, and that sucks because he is one of those players like Anthony Miller that would really benefit from Foles down the field, and it just sucks to lose a young guy to injury. Not to mention, I mean, we've talked about it. So I'll use the term that you talked to me about the other day. Cohen's foot frequency is so insane that not only was Foles going to be so important to, to, to Cohen's production, but frankly, I'm worried because coming back from injury is never easy and no ACL is guaranteed. And Tariq Cohen's exactly the kind of player where with his size being what it is, he kind of can't lose a step or else he fundamentally changes as a player. And it's obviously super bad timing. I mean, the week after he gets a three-year extension, but Ryan Pace can't be faulted for this. He didn't see it coming. He Cohen is definitely somebody who's on my mind. Obviously the bears have a huge offensive upheaval as they go from, I don't know what you saw, and I understand that the Bears were down two touchdowns all game, felt like the Bears went right back to West Coast. They've been in an almost John Fox shot, or like what is the shotgun kind of offense, and they went straight back to everything is shotgun now. We do everything out of there. And I, I swear they, they maybe ran the ball twice. And part of that's because they were down. But they, they Matt Nagy called the whole like 50 passes in a game game plan. And we pulled out a score. And I'm glad about that. But losing Cohen, that's a real gut punch. Yeah, it, it, it really sucks because, I mean, that was one of the, the weaker part of the team was the depth of the running backs. And now you lose a very, very valuable back I mean he can run the ball he's amazing out of the backfield and you just don't have that anymore and Mm -mm. it sucks it does suck thankfully uh David Montgomery looked plenty capable in his receptions his receiving ability has really impressed me and that play he had down near the goal line that set up the Graham touchdown where he caught a ball while being hit peeled himself off the defender and charged forward for another six yards I mean that's almost inhuman like it's it's stupid what this guy's contact balance looks like you know yeah I I when when Foles threw that I was like oh Foles what are you doing you you just leave him out there and then he just he go he rumbles breaks a couple <laughs> tackles and I just that's that's one of like the plays that I'll think of later on where I, I think of who David Johnson is as a player. And I'll, I'll think of that play. Hey, I love that you said David Johnson. Cause that just shows <laughs> you, Johnson. that just shows you how well you're thinking of the guy. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, David Johnson has that same kind of contact. Like balance. how did you do it? Ability. Right. Right. I think of that play who I think it was against the Eagles. His, oh, like, the super year. famous one. Yeah. The, where like, he broke, he broke like seven tackles. And he was mm-hmm. like, like, how did that happen? Like, this is this is decent. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing, Brandon. As we close up, I will give a final message about Foles. I watched as much Foles tape as I could in the offseason. I'm proud and excited to say he is who I thought he was, which is great. But what it does mean is that I need to warn Bears fans about something. We're going to see a lot more turnovers than we have in the last bunch of years because Foles is more than willing to just throw it up. In, in Trubisky's case – tie goes to never mind i'm just gonna hold on to the ball in Foles's case a true tie goes to i'm throwing it man and if it's tight coverage doesn't matter if it's into make du- play. 
oh yeah, <laughs> if it's into double coverage, who cares? Like I will let my player decide this outcome. And it worked out for the Bears here. There's going to be a day where it doesn't work out. There's going to be a day where it looks really bad. But in this moment, I'll tell you what, I'm really excited because I think we're going to score more points. I like scoring points. And all of a sudden, I can't wait to see the weirdest quarterback duel I've ever watched between an aging Phillip Rivers and and Nick Foles in his first start ever as a Bear. What do you, what do you think, Brandon? Close us out. I, I'm excited too. And just real quick, I think this is going to affect how Bacano calls – the defense now because now he doesn't have to think like I'll have to hold the opposing offense to 10 points he can dial it up a little bit because he can count on the offense just pulling their weight Mm -hmm. that's huge especially given how creative he's looked in the past where he'll send guys like Buster Screen on a blitz I haven't seen that since Denver last year where now like you're saying he he can it's, it's the difference between a boxer that holds his hands close to him and tries to get hit as little as possible and just take the beating versus a guy who's willing to put his arms out there, try to strike. And it I wouldn't surprise me, like you're talking about, if Pagano's perfect vision for this offense is a lot more turnovers, even if we give up more points. Get or like let their let them get some and we'll get some back. And if that happens. That'll be freaking rad. I can't wait. But yeah, so just to close things out for us, Brandon, it has been awesome having you on the show. Uh, Folks at WCG know that listeners, we will be putting up a brand new show called The Rule of Three with Brandon, as well as another one of our co-hosts, Danny Meehan, where we will be on Tuesdays and Mondays going through and talking about the X's and O's of the game that we just watched. It should be awesome. Check out our other shows later this week with EJ Snyder and Jeff Burkus talking through the Bears preview on Bears Over Beers and Bill Zimmerman's show, which is always awesome Bears-related content. Though, truth be told, his guests can be so variable that I wish I could tell you what it is, but it's different every week. In this case, it was last Gale Sayers. Brandon, it has been fabulous having you. Where can folks find you online? Thanks. I appreciate it. They can find me uh, at BRobNFL, B-R-O-B, on Twitter. Uh, and that's where you can find my stuff. And folks, that's going to do it for this one. Wild game, crazy finish, and it leaves me very, very excited for next week's game against the Colts. The Bears are 3-0. and Their offense has some serious potential, and I, it, it really feels like it's only up from here, and I can't wait to watch it. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me on Twitter over at Robert K. Schmitz, or more importantly, I'm switching the weekly video during the season to a weekly stream. Be sure to check that out. Vote over on my YouTube channel on when it will be, and I want to make sure that that's the best content I can possibly provide as I go to break the games down along with y'all. Anyways, it's been awesome, Bears fans, and until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.